welcome to Take the Upgrade podcast. I'm Julie. And I'm Carrie. And we are sisters passionate about helping others rise to the next level. We are the co-founders and owners of The Natural Shift, and we created this podcast with you in mind. Each week, we will share simple tips that are easy to implement or an inspiring interview, all with the same intention, to raise the collective and to help you step into your best life. We are so excited to have you join us. Get ready to create real progress and lasting change. So let's get started. Hey guys, it's Julie here. Welcome back to the podcast. And if this is your first time listening in, welcome. I've got a really special interview for you today. Today I have with me Dr. Jen Chrisman. She's a licensed clinical psychologist, speaker, master coach, host of the newly top-rated Love Your Truth podcast, and forthcoming author, who is committed to guiding people into their highest potential through inspiring radical self-reflection and offering practical direction. She knew early on that she wanted to help others live better lives. When her formative years were colored by obstacles and hardships, she learned to draw from the power of resilience at a very young age. She's going to talk about that today in the interview as well. The experiences of her life have left her with a profound capacity for empathy and understanding, as well as a passion for helping others advocate for their own lives. This, coupled with an innate inclination towards being a seeker, naturally led her to the field of psychology, ultimately receiving a doctorate in clinical psychology. While her doctoral education and formal training has provided her with valuable knowledge about different theories, interventions, and mental health, it is her life experience and intuitive nature that makes her truly special at what she does and capable of guiding others on their own path. Her quest to find meaning and purpose in her own life has led her to wholeheartedly believe in the healing power of compassion, tolerance, and human connection. After building and outgrowing a successful private practice in Los Angeles, Dr. Chrisman began coaching other therapists and healing professionals on how to grow and market a heart-centered business. With the success of her online business called A Perfect Practice, she found herself with a gnawing sense of dissatisfaction, and she again was forced to go deeper and explore what her soul's journey was calling for. Now, while Dr. Chrisman excelled at teaching and and inspiring others in business, her heart really craved more soulful work. Returning to her roots and expanding on what she does best, which is connecting, she launched her podcast, which is called Love Your Truth, in November of 2018, and it quickly climbed to the iTunes Top 100 chart in self-help. Guests on her show frequently comment on how skilled she is at asking the questions that lead to deep, impactful, and unique interviews. She's actually known for asking the question behind the question. In addition to hosting the Love Your Truth podcast, she also runs a personal mastery online course three times a year. She works privately with clients. She is finishing her book, which is due in March of 2019. And she is also planning her first retreat in October of 2019. Lots of exciting things happening uh, for Dr. Chrisman. And finally, she's also a mom, which has significantly shaped her perception of self, others, and the world. As she is on a lifelong journey of discovery, 
She has been profoundly impacted by the transition into motherhood. She has come to believe that we all come into this world with a great capacity for being loved and loving in turn in return. There is no greater reminder to the pureness of the human spirit than looking into the eyes of a child. Guys, get ready. So much great information and just nuggets of wisdom in this interview. So let's get started. Okay, well, welcome, Jen, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today, and I would love for you to just tell the listeners first a little bit about yourself, about your background, maybe where you went to college, your career, and how you chose the path that you're on. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It is my honor to be here. Thank you. And I, my name is Dr. Jen Chrisman. I am a licensed clinical psychologist, and I have a private practice in Hermosa Beach, California. I, uh, in addition to my therapy practice, I also do um, business and personal coaching for entrepreneurs. I started mostly working with other therapists who were wanting to be in business, uh, building their own private practice. That was sort of my specialty, but has since uh, over the last few years sort of expanded into uh, working just more with female entrepreneurs in general. And I really do specialize in the the business of becoming is what I call it, that uh, you know I love helping women transform and heal the those parts of themselves that can interfere with um, you know, building a life and a business that they love. I, you know, I, I describe it as making the transition from achieving to shining. And, you know, I think with most of us, my, my development, my course has come from my own personal life experiences. And, um, you know, I was called to the field of, of psychology at a very, at a very young age, really, I knew that I was going to, that I was a healer of some sort. And, uh, you know, I, I had quite a few, um, I, I had quite a few hardships growing up that, uh, asked me in my, my own journey to, to call on a certain resilience that a lot of children don't usually have to, uh, have to experience. And so I, I knew that I needed to do something with my story Although at those young, that young of an age, I didn't have actually the words and the, the intellectual knowing. It was more of just the deeper souls knowing that I was going to help others in some way, and that was what led me to to becoming a therapist. It, you know, it was a, a series of events that some I had control over, some were just happenstance, and uh, you know, one thing led to another, and here I am, almost two decades later, you know, continuing to evolve and transition my practice and my, the work that I do. I love that. And for everyone listening, I'm sure you've probably noticed this by now, but one thing that I noticed when um, Jen and I first met, it was at um, a mommy millionaire live event. She was one of the speakers. She has the most calming voice. I mean, I could have listened to you seriously. Um, You know, you said you were kind of called to, to healing, you know, and I could your voice is like the number one thing that like for, or the first thing I should say really stuck out to me. It's like, Oh, she's so calming. I could listen to her all day long. So it kind of just goes in line with, um, you know, with, with where you've been led, you know, I just, I love that. 
Thank you so much for saying that. I actually get that feedback a lot. It's probably the most common, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a compliment or you know, what people say to me most often is how calming my voice is. Um, and what's so funny is because I've launched my own podcast and so I'm now I'm forced to listen to my voice more often. And you know, it's you hear it as calming, and of course, like the insecurity in the voice in my head is like, oh, is that boring? Are people gonna think that it's boring? So I always appreciate getting that reassurance that it's calming. Yeah. So thank you. You're welcome. It definitely is. And that's actually a really good point uh, to bring up to our listeners, because we, we've done podcasts in the past about, um, you know, listening to those inner voices and like, really, what are you saying to yourself? And I think it's probably freeing to me and to a lot of people to know that even though this is the work you do, you still have those inner voices. It's not like it ever goes away. It's just a journey that you learn how to, to deal with it, to shut it down, to turn it into positive. So I, I love that. Um, and I also love something that you said a few minutes ago that you help women or you're kind of in the, um, in the field of helping women, um, um, become, I think I'm trying to think of how you worded it. The business of being not like doing all the time, the more the business of, like, of becoming, becoming, there you go, becoming. Um, so I love that. And the topic that I really wanted to focus on was self-acceptance and self-love. And so I'm assuming like the business of becoming, you kind of have to start with loving yourself and accepting yourself, right? Absolutely. And that's really the foundation of all of the work that I do. My, my podcast is called Love Your Truth. Um, the, the talk that I gave at Mommy Millionaire Live was, it was really about this process of learning how to embrace and not just embrace, but actually learning to love all of the parts of ourselves that we live in a culture that has conditioned us to only value the things that look good, the things that sound good. And we give ourselves very little room and very little grace for the human condition. And like you said, those, you know, those parts of us, those voices um, the limiting beliefs, the negative self-talk, the insecurities, those really never go away. And you know, from a strictly biological perspective, we're looking, you know, the average human has on average 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Like we are guaranteed that a good chunk of those are not going to be so positive. And our work in healing, in becoming, in you know, transformation is not about getting rid of any of those parts of us, the work is actually learning how to relate differently to it. Mm -hmm. So giving ourselves grace is a big word for me, giving ourselves that grace to have the insecurity come up, to acknowledge it, to look like, okay, well, where is that coming from? What is it that I'm actually needing right now? How can I relate differently to this in a way that's actually going to honor where I'm at and help move me closer to where I'm trying to go. Yes, I love that. So so let's let's talk first about self-acceptance and like what that actually means and to kind of help people understand um maybe where they are in that journey, you know, do they really accept themselves for who they are or do they really need work in that area? How how could one even know that? Yeah, so I think that this is where 
uh, actually defining what acceptance is can be very helpful because I think sometimes we are a little misguided as far as what acceptance actually means. And we think that in order to accept something, that we have to like it, that we have to approve of it, that we have to, um, there's almost like a resignation that I think we oftentimes associate with acceptance. And what I help people do and what I like to educate people on is moving to a place of neutrality when it comes to acceptance, that I can accept something and it might not actually be my preference. Mm. And I mean, there's so many areas that we can talk about this, but like, for example, I'm sure, you know, as women, you know, none of us are really absent of the, you know, issues with body image. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, accepting that I have a more muscular body structure, I'm curvy, I have thicker thighs, like I'm never going to be long and lean Pilates instructor. Okay, so I have, you know, my journey has been in accepting that my body type is what it is. It's not necessarily my preference. Would I like to have long lean legs? Of course I would. Does it mean that I can't work to improve the shape and the strength and you know grow in you know the way that they look? Of course there's still room for that. But acceptance is knowing that okay, this is just honestly, like this is what I have. This is what I was given, this is what I'm working with. And and doing that in all of the areas of our lives. Um, you know, and sometimes acceptance goes a little bit deeper where, you know, there is like when we're doing that self-love piece and, um, healing the different, I, I talk about like the passengers on our bus, the different parts of ourselves, our stories. Um, I definitely think that, you know, there is an element that we want to move out of shame around some of those parts of ourselves that we, you know, we want to cut them off. We want to get rid of them, but before we can move, like the first step that we have to always do is move into neutrality, mm-hmm. but you're not going to go from shame to love overnight, mm-hmm. but can we go from shame to accept to acceptance to neutrality, which is just, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm at. This is what I have. This is what I've been through. Just neutral. It's not what I would have liked. Would I have liked it to be something different? Sure. But is it something different? No. Okay. This is it. Acceptance mm-hmm. doesn't have to equal preference. I like that a lot to, to think of it that way, just because I'm accepting it. It doesn't mean that I have to like it really. It's just, mm-hmm. it is the way it is. And really being aware that kind of goes back to like awareness to me is always kind of the first step to change. So being aware, you know, and, and then ex- the, the acceptance piece, and then you can move on into the self love. So you would say, Self-acceptance is really um, important to overall mental health, right? If we're going to have really good mental health, then we have to have self-acceptance. Absolutely. And like you said, too, I would really put that in that same category as awareness, Mm -hmm. right? It's like taking that inventory, shining a light, knowing like all of what we're working with, right? The good, the bad, and everything in between, because it's only when we take full inventory of ourselves that we're actually able to make really educated decisions about what needs to heal, where we need to pivot, what we can change and where we're going. But if you don't know what you're working with, it's like, you know, you're throwing blind darts at a wall, hoping something will stick. Mm-hmm. 
And it's really important too. something that you said, I think is so important is not to try because so many times we want to just cut out those parts that we don't like, but they're never going away. And this kind of goes back to the analogy, your passengers on the bus analogy, which would you share that? I mean, is it like too much to share that? But this is like the best. Uh, everyone's going to love it. I loved it so, so much when I heard it. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. So the passengers on the bus is sort of, it's become my, my signature talk. So I'm happy to share it. I think it's a really important part of our personal development journey. Um, and like you said, it really stems from that, that, you know, what I kept coming up against and I kept seeing in both myself and, and the women that I was working with is this inclination to want to cut off certain parts of ourselves that we don't like certain parts of us that are getting in the way. It's, you know, we're wanting to change, but we keep going back and we keep doing the same thing over and over again. And our inclination is to want to get frustrated and be like, ah, like, why do I keep doing that? Like, stop. Or like, I don't like that. Um, and the, the passengers on the bus is a way for us to start to think differently about ourselves. And I, I, I compare it to, you know, imagining that we are all driving down this road of life and we're all on a bus we each have our own bus. We each have our own journey. It's our own road. And on this bus, we pick up different passengers. And we all have our own unique passengers. And usually they are, you know, they come from those different points, points in our lives. And the first step, our first, the first thing that we need to do is we need to learn to identify who are our own unique individual passengers. And because what happens is that we all have these passengers. We all have these different parts of us. And, you know, I'll give my, I'll use my own as an example. I have, you know, there's the 30, how old am I? 37 year old woman that is, you know, sitting here in front of you. I'm a, a divorced single mother of two. I'm a professional psychologist, an entrepreneur. And then I also have, um, there's a, a 10 year old little girl on my bus whose dad has just committed suicide and she is painfully insecure. She's feeling um, really confused. She's feeling really rejected and alone and abandoned in the world. I have a rebellious teenager who, um, you know, kind of wants to give a big giant middle finger to the world. Um, she doesn't like herself. She doesn't like anybody else. Um, really rebellious teenager. I have a super cute, super sweet little four-year-old um, who's just starting to recognize that something's not quite right in her home, but she doesn't really know what it is. Um, and she's feeling already that kind of the, the seeds are being planted of her loneliness. Uh, and, you know, again, I can keep going. Like we all have these passengers. And what happens when we are not aware and we are not conscious, and we are going through our day, our lives on autopilot, these different passengers get into the driver's seat of our bus. And you can imagine you know, how well my life is going when my rebellious teenager gets into that driver's seat, or when that you know, painfully insecure, abandoned, rejected 10-year-old gets into the driver's seat. And the work becomes identifying who those passengers are. What does it look like when they're in the driver's seat? What, are they, what does it sound like? How, what behaviors, what actions, the tones, all of it. And then making a conscious choice about who we want 
to put in the driver's seat. And once we create that awareness, once we recognize what it looks like, once we decide who we want in the driver's seat, those other parts are still going to show up. They're going to be like, hey, wait a second, like, I'm getting in, I'm taking over, I got this. And the old ways of being are going to continue. Like They're never getting off the bus. They are going to continue for the rest of our lives to be there. And when they show up and they're fighting for that spot in the driver's seat, rather than saying like, oh, go away, get off the bus, like kicking you off, our work is to say, hey, like, I see you. I, I, I see you. I know that you want to be in the driver's seat, but I got this, right? Making that choice to put our highest self in the driver's seat all of the time and creating that different relationship with the other little passengers that want to take over. Mm, that is so good. I mean, I just got chills again when you described that and when you went back through your journey. Um, and that's the same thing that happened to me when I heard it for the first time. Um, and I think it's so powerful. Each of us need to really, this requires a lot of deep work, right? I mean, we have to be committed to really taking a hard look back at our life to first identify who the passengers on our bus are and say, okay, what happened to me over the course of my life? You know, um, when I was, you know, were there specific events when I was, 10 or 15 or, or whatever, um, and then begin to not only identify those people and the passengers on your bus, so to speak, but instead of, like you said, what's so powerful to me is instead of saying, um, you know, get off the bus, instead of really, that's what you're telling them. When you get frustrated with yourself and you're, yeah. and you're saying, why do I do that? Oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. I'm so this, I'm so that. To really acknowledge it for what it is, and say, okay, not today. I'm going to be in control. My, my higher self right now, my, you know, I'm 43. So like the 43 year old version of me is going to drive the bus today, not, you know, the 15 year old or the 10 year old or whatever. So, I mean, I just love that so much. It's such a good analogy. And I think too, you know, building on that, the other, like you were, you know, scratching the surface of is, you know, that relationship that needs to happen with those parts of us, like that is the deep work that comes next. It's, you know, really intimately getting to know that 15 year old, getting to know that 10 year old, like sitting in visualization, sitting, you know, in your journal, like with that little girl and really letting yourself get to know what it is that she actually is needing and because again, oftentimes what happens in this journey and in personal development and in therapy is we want, we, we spend a lot of time in our head and we, we want to like talk ourselves out of the experience. But what we need to understand is that those parts of us don't live in our prefrontal cortex and in our rational mind. To, so we are never going to be able to talk ourselves out of those experiences out of those, you know, that part of us that keeps going back to the old ways of being. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so frustrating for most of us is because we continue to come at it from this intellectual place, like this knowing I shouldn't do this, but yet I do it anyway. And the reason why we do it anyway is because it lives in our emotional core. And so we have to find ways to connect emotionally 
with those parts of ourselves. And we do that through visualization, through meditation, through um, journaling, journaling, even though you're writing and it seems like it's a, um, it seems like it's an intellectual process. It's actually, uh, it, it is more of a, an emotional, it bypasses the prefrontal cortex when you're journaling. So, um, you know, finding ways to be with and really ask ourselves, like when you can imagine and you can call into your mind's eye, that little 10 year old, and you can see her and you can feel her and you can ask yourself, like, what is she really needing right now? You know, I will tell you nine out of 10 times, that little girl does not need to hear anything. There's nothing you need to say to her, right? She needs to feel like she is loved. She needs to feel like she is accepted. She needs to feel like she matters, like she's wanted. She might need to feel what it would feel like to be held and to be hugged. And that is where the deep healing transformation happens. Yes, I love that because I, uh, I'm just to share with you, I am not probably um, connected on an emotional level as much as I want to be. I mean, for me, that's kind of hard. I'm kind of just a work all the time and don't really, you know, sit and meditate as much as I want to. Those things are on my vision board this year, more meditation, more journaling, more mindfulness, just, you know, more just sitting and and being with yourself and, and reflecting back on those parts of you know your past that maybe aren't so good or that maybe you don't really want to, but you know, you really need to, to get, you know, to get to where you're, you're wanting to go. So I did this uh, exercise. I'm just curious if you have your clients do things like this. I did this exercise once and it was so powerful, very similar to what, um, what you're saying but looking back at like pictures from when you're a certain age, you know, um, just say 10 years old and just, um, you know, having a picture of yourself at that age and seeing it's, it's kind of hard to be mad at an innocent 10 year old. Right. I mean, you know, to look and in, in at, at, you know, yourself at that age. And so this exercise was to then, you know, basically speak to that 10 year old, like, what would you say if this was, um, you know, if, if you were right in front of her right now, what would you say to her and just kind of really going through that. And, and like I said, stuff like that's a little bit hard for me sometimes, but I found that to be so powerful. Do you recommend things like that? Yeah, I do. So, but like I said, I think, you know, sometimes where we get stuck is in that saying and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to make sure that we don't keep it too intellectual, but what I have, uh, my clients do, um, I actually take them through this journey where we identify, uh, so I do a timeline. That's the first step with all of my clients is we do a timeline of your life and from your birth till today and make note of all of the major significant life events. Mm-hmm. Because from there, we're going to get to, we're going to learn, we're going to identify who those primary passengers are. Mm-hmm. And once we, once we pull that out, once we get to know, like, okay, I definitely have this one is here. You know, there's this one, there's that one. There's, I will have my clients find a picture of themselves from each of those times in their life. And then I actually have them create a little book, almost like a biography um, or, uh, yeah, biography, because I have them write in third person mm. about this person, like looking at this picture and I want them to tell the story of 
this particular, you know, tell me the story about this four-year-old. Who is she? What does she think about herself? What's her family life like? What is she, how does she feel about herself and the world around her? What does she want to be when she grows up? What are her hopes? What are her ambitions? What is she struggling with? Like really, really intimately getting to know, like and writing a whole page or pages about each one of those. And we create a little book. And then from there, we move into more of the emotional healing part, which is the, I really do think it happens in visualization, mm-hmm. um, where you tap into energetically, like imagining yourself. And one that comes up for me, I always use myself as an example, because I do, you know, I'm doing this work. And um, so what I, I imagine most of the time, the one who I had to do the most work around was actually my 10-year-old. Um, and like you said, it's, you, you were like, it's kind of hard to be mad at your 10 year old. I actually, to be honest, I struggled for a long time with really liking the 10 year old. It was really easy for me to look at the four year old and think like, she was so cute. She was so innocent, but the 10 year old, like she was kind of like, she was in that awkward phase and she was a little bit chubby and I did not look at her with loving eyes for a very long time. And so I had to do the work where I would imagine myself sitting in silence on a park bench with this little girl and just sitting next to her. And over time, that, that vision evolved into like moving closer to her move and like sitting closer and sitting closer until eventually like, like she was right there next to me and she was a part of me and my arm was around her and, and holding that space energetically, like imagining, like really being with her. And again, it's not so much about, what does she need to hear? Because she like, like she knows, you know, even at 10 years old, like she knew her dad didn't kill himself because she was too chubby. Like she knew that wasn't true, but in her, in her body and her, in her emotional course, she did not believe she was lovable. Mm. And so that was what she needed. And like really learning to, to tap in and identify like, what does that part of me, like, what do I actually need? right now, I promise you, I don't need to hear any more information. Like that is the last thing I need to hear. Like I, I, not that I know it all, but you know it all. Like there's next to nothing that any of us are hearing throughout any given day that we haven't already heard before. It's really about like creating that new experience, like taking healing to the next level, which happens when we learn how to relate differently not just talk differently because talking, we keep it at, at, you know, it stays on the intellectual level. It doesn't bridge that, that gap into the emotional core. Mm. So good. I mean, I just seriously got tears in my eyes when you were, when you were explaining, you know, when you were going through the process of moving closer to your 10 year old self, I was like, Oh, I mean, I just, uh, that I love that. I love that so much. Um, and I think, do you think that that's why a lot of people don't do this work is because it is kind of hard. I mean, it is kind of, you have to go deep. Yeah, I do. I think that that is, um, I think, you know, and this was something that I came up against professionally as, as a therapist and as a psychologist and why I really transitioned my, my practice into doing more um, of this like soul coaching, if you will. Um, because I found that, that, yeah, a lot of people don't really want to do 
the work that's involved. Like we say that we want to change. We say that we want to have a different experience, but, um, you know, to really let ourselves tap into the depths of where we need to go, that take, that's a, not everyone's willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is willing to do it. There's a lot that we need to let go of mm-hmm. in order to go there. You know, it really becomes about like letting go of other people, places, and situations and, you know, taking that radical ownership and, you know, in such a, for me, I, it's like, it's so like good. It's so empowering. Yeah. It's so, um, it's just it, like it, the healing feels so good, even in the pain of it. Like it's such a beautiful transition, but I think, um, you know, for so many of us, we're so afraid of our darkness. Mm-hmm. And that is what stops us from from going there. That we're so afraid that if we tap into this, we are going to open floodgates that are never going to stop, mm-hmm. and that the pain is going to be too much. And so we push it down, we push it down, we push it down. But you know, the truth is, and at the end of the day, we don't get to not have our feelings, mm-hmm. and those parts of us are going to continue to show up, and that knocking is going to get louder and louder and louder until we can't. And I think that this is where, um, you know, so much of our, you know, the, the physical ailments that our, our country is experiencing, the amount of like sickness, it's because, you know, you're, I really do believe that your body will communicate for you in ways that, you know, forces you to pay attention. You know, if we're not willing to honor and acknowledge the emotional, like that has to go, that energy has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more with that. So if, if someone is, would you say that we know self-acceptance is an awareness is kind of the first step and we want to move on into that self-love piece. What are some of the very first steps? I mean, is it the process that we just talked about or what if somebody's not really ready to go that deep yet? I think, I think what I want listeners to know is where's kind of the starting point and even if they're not ready to go that deep yet I personally think they will be as the journey continues and they see how freeing some of this can be because I'm on that path right now and I when you said that when you said it's almost even though it's hard it's it's almost like it's exciting too because you're because it's so freeing and it does make you feel good once you break through and you see how some of the things that maybe you were holding on to or things from your past, once you heal some of those and break free, it really affects other areas of your life. And you can move towards, you know, what some of your goals are and what your vision is for your future. Um, but you have to do that work first, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to answer your question about, you know, like what's required, what do we have to do? Um, if, and if someone's not willing to go that deep, I think, this is where willingness mm-hmm. comes in and willingness it. Cause I do, you know, yeah. Change is hard. Like it requires so much out of us mm-hmm. every single day. I, I always say, and I live by this rule that I cannot rely on what I did yesterday to get me through today. Like I have to show up fully every single day. I have to wake up every single morning and I have to recommit to myself, to my journey, to where I'm going, because if I don't do it every day, I'm going to end up right back where I came from. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so willingness is that next step. And so maybe you're not at a place 
where you're like, you know, in, you know, kind of buying what I'm selling or, Mm -hmm. you know, willing to go that deep. Um, But are you willing to be willing? Mm. Are you, what are you willing to, um, to commit to? Are you willing to, you know, how badly do you want whatever it is that you say that you want? And so maybe you don't believe it yet. Mm-hmm. but are you willing to believe that maybe you need to hear it? Mm. You know, I'm thinking about like, okay, we're talking about self-love, mm-hmm. self-acceptance. And so, you know, acknowledging and honoring, like I'm not at that place. And maybe someone's going to tell me to do, um, maybe someone's going to tell me to do mantras mm-hmm. um, or affirmations. But I am, and one of my favorite affirmations, one of my favorite interventions that I tell people um, when you're trying to like reprogram some of those negative beliefs is to actually, when you hear yourself again, here's the awareness. I need to know what I'm working with. So that first step is seeing it, knowing it. Okay. I just had a negative thought coming in with an, I love you statement. So I had this negative thought of like, Oh, my voice sounds boring. When I listen to it on the podcast, stopping at that moment and saying, I love you, Jen. Okay. Cause I need to hear that. My starting point position is going to say, yeah, but I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't love myself. I'm not there yet. I don't believe it. So then this is where, okay, are you willing to believe it? Or even like further beyond that, um, are you willing to believe that you need to hear it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Are you willing to believe that this is what you are needing? Are you willing to believe that this will eventually work if you put in enough work? Mm-hmm. like willingness so, has to be there so kind of like thinking of it as just being open to an idea like are you open to you know this idea of yes. um you know say using mantras or affirmations to retrain your subconscious or you know whatever so kind of just that openness because if you're not open and or willing at all then you're probably not not going to make any progress right but so right even if you don't believe these things, I like that. Even if you don't, because it is hard. I mean, I do affirmations and mantras and I don't always believe the things that I say. I mean, in fact, probably 90% of the time I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, because I'm not there yet. It's something that I'm still working on and still practicing every day. So is that what you would say then in terms of, um, we, we hear ourselves say something negative, you know, we have negative self-talk. So we recognize that and then we replace it with something positive, even if we don't believe it, then the more we do that, it trains, it retrains our subconscious, right? And then we begin to believe it. Yes, exactly. And I think that, you know, it's very important that mantras on on their own are not going to do anything for you, right? You have to pair the mantra with the feeling. Um, And sometimes it's as simple as just taking a breath. Um, but doing something physically, energetically. So it's not just because it's very easy to go through the motions. Mm. Um, and again, you know, we say things, we have so many thoughts and they have no meaning attached to them because we're, we're not consciously doing it, but really, you know, having that pause, that conscious pause to say, you know what I'm going, it's not just that I'm going to say, I love you. I'm going to choose to do this because this is what I deserve to hear. Like that is where the shift happens. Mm. It's not necessarily the words that you say, but it's that breath that you take. It's that like breathing. And what would it feel like if I actually loved myself right now? 
That's exactly what I was just about to say. So it's really more of connecting with, you know, whatever that affirmation you're saying is, because I know from personal experience, it's easy just to say the words and like you said, go through the motions, but not connect to it. That that's the hardest part is really to take the time to stop and connect to it. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Gosh, so good. So why do you think we're so, why do you think so much of our society does not really love themselves? I mean, what is it just our past things that we've gone through that have shaped us to the way that we are now? I mean, why is this, um, why is it that we don't have a lot of self-love? It seems we're, we're so hard on ourselves, I guess. Especially as yeah. women. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, I think that there's so many different factors that go into this, but I really do believe that, um, you know, a lot of this is sort of the global consciousness. And culturally, um, in Western culture, some of the values that we have been brought up in over the last, uh, you know, century or so that has put such high value on um, performance and achieving and really set in motion this standard of perfection Mm -hmm. in so many areas of our lives that, um, you know, we just are not able to, to achieve. And, you know, not only is it that we are striving for this, a standard of perfection and being encouraged to, to, you know, our worth and our value has, has shifted into something external. Um, you know, we're being measured by, as students, we're being measured by the grades that we get in school. As women, we're being measured by the number on a scale or the size of our clothes. Um, you know, we're being measured by the amount of money in our bank. Like all of these external, um, you know, kind of checklists that we have been conditioned to buy into that, you know, okay, so you go to school, you go to college, you get the job, you get the wife, you get the house, you get the car, you get the kids. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we have a a country, a nation that is, you know, on Prozac, miserable, unhappy, Mm -hmm. um, discontent. And, you know, because no one is, is really connecting Mm -hmm. to, to their truth, to following their, you know, and there, and I do think that there is actually a global, like there's a consciousness swing that is occurring and I am just, I'm, I'm so excited by, by where I, you know, people are going and how much access pop culture now has to you know, some of these concepts and the personal development world is really, you know, I'm also like head, you know, fully submerged in the world. So it's really all I see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that, you know, with, with the internet, with podcasts, with social media, like there is a lot of good that's being done and, you know, a lot of, of reconditioning around the values and really looking at what actually matters and making, again, making a conscious choice about how we want to define our worth and our value in this world. And for so long, generation to generation, like we just did what we were told we were supposed to do. And all of a sudden, like, thank you. 
you know, I love the millennials. <laughs> I love, you know, the, the shift that's happening because all of a sudden there's this wake up that's saying like, well, wait a second. Like, why am I going to work in this job chained to a desk where I have no purpose and I have no meaning? Like, this isn't working. Something isn't, it, something's not right here. I'm going to start to challenge the status quo. I'm going to start to ask the right questions. I'm going to start to look through this lens of problem solving and really recognizing and valuing our worth from our own lens. Mm. Yes, because what you said just reminded me of, you know, going through the, I, you go to college, you, you know, get married, you have kids, like all of the things, the quote things that we're programmed to believe, number one, we're supposed to do. Number two, that will create this amazing, happy life for us. So you've gone through often, I mean, many, many people find you go through, you check all those boxes, but none of it was really, or a lot of it was really things that you didn't necessarily want to do or connect to, or, or you just went through the motions just to do it, to say you did it because you thought yeah. that's what you were supposed to do. And then you find yourself unfulfilled, not you know, happy with your life, with yourself, because you never, you didn't enjoy the journey along the way. You just checked yeah. the boxes, right? Yeah. I heard a quote, um, and I don't remember, maybe I'll try to look up and put in the show notes who said this, but I don't remember who said it, but basically, um, perfectionism is your own superimposed prison. And mm. I just thought that is so good because I'm definitely a recovering perfectionist. Um, I'm, you know, that's something that I struggle with. Like I want things to be perfect, to look perfect. I want to do things perfect, but it's just not the way it, I mean, I'm not perfect. So mm -hmm. I have to, I have to accept that and, yeah. you know, just still move forward or else I'd be paralyzed by it. And I, I would never do anything if I waited around for everything to be perfect. So, yep. Yep. And I, along those lines, like procrastination is a form of perfectionism mm -hmm. because it is, it's that part of like, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to do anything until we can do it right or we can do it perfectly. And so we don't do anything at all. Yeah. It's yeah, just another for form sure. of mm -hmm. For sure. So I want to pivot just a little bit and ask you um, a couple of questions. Sure. So the name of our podcast is Take the Upgrade. And for, for me, that means that I'm making daily choices that lead to real progress and lasting change towards my goals. So what if I asked you what take the upgrade means to you or maybe areas that you upgrade in every day? Um, just give us an idea. What does that mean to you? And what are some areas you, you take the upgrade in? Yeah, I, I love that. And I think, you know, for me, it's probably very similar to what you just described. It's, um, you know, those it's, I think it's really about consciousness. I think it's that, um, you know, making that conscious choice every single day about the woman that I am becoming and who I need to be in order to become that woman and then making my choices from that place. Like that to me would be taking the upgrade. Like what would it look like if I was that woman? Like what food choices would I make? What, how would I spend my time? What would I listen to? Where would I be going? How would I be driving? Like what would I say in this conversation? All of those are influenced and affected by that. Mm -hmm. So really having that vision of that person that you're working to become that higher version of yourself and really 
asking yourself, even down to, like you said, down to the, you know, minute things like what would she eat? You know, yep. where would she go shop? What would she buy yep. at the grocery store? You know, whatever the, the case may be. I like that. That's good. So what do you, what would you say is the most pivotal upgrade you've ever taken in your life? Is there like one thing that, that was like a big upgrade for you that you feel like has changed, um, changed a lot, changed the course of your life? Yeah, I, I would probably say for me, that would be joining a high end elite mastermind last year. It was, um, you know, it was a huge financial investment um, something that like n- nobody in my field does. It just, um, and it was, that to me was probably the biggest like area in my life where I was like, I am taking myself to the next level mm-hmm. that, you know, I've always lived and, you know, I reached the glass ceiling in my field of what success looked like and joining this mastermind, like I was stepping into, you know, like the world, you know, going from six figure entrepreneurs to now hanging out with seven figure entrepreneurs, like that is a big, big difference. Mm-hmm. And it changed every like that one year changed so many things in my life. I can't even begin to describe like the transformation that happened from that. Wow. That's so awesome. I've gosh, we have to have a side conversation about masterminds, yeah. you and yeah, I. For sure. <laughs> I love that. So I'm assuming that you probably like to read. I do. Most yeah, most people who want to grow and develop love, you know, to read. So tell us a book that you're reading right now or maybe also your favorite, your favorite. Yeah. So I I'm a big reader and if you are a client of mine, you're <laughs> my clients are all frustrated at this point with how many books I recommend um because I really do aim to go through at least one book a week. Um, and I, um, so currently I am reading a book called happy pocket full of money. Have you heard of this? No, I have not. So this was actually, uh, you know, I had a few people in my circle read it and everyone kind of tell me about it to the point where I was like, okay, I got to read it now. Mm -hmm. And it's a really awesome book, um, about, uh, it's really like metaphysics and you know, how, how, we can use, uh, you know, our, our minds, and you know, it's in the same vein as Think and Grow Rich. Um, mm-hmm. The um, what is the one I'm looking at? The Science of Getting Rich. Uh, I think Science of Wealth. Um, Wallace D. Waddles, whichever one that one is. Like I love all of those books. Joe Dispenza, um, yeah. Breaking the Habit of Being You. Um, I'm really right now that seems to be where a lot of my energy is going is in reading more of the metaphysical books mm-hmm. and really, really understanding the science behind how our thoughts affect mm-hmm. our, uh, and not just our thoughts, but our feelings, right. Our unconscious thinking, yeah. um, how it affects our, our world around us. Mm, I'll have to check that out. I actually have think and grow rich in my, I, I start like three or four books and then I go back and forth and I used to feel really bad about that. But then I I had a conversation with someone and they made me feel better about it because um, the way that she described it was she felt like it having these books that she was reading was like having TV shows that she watched. And so she would, you know, maybe not 
she would want to watch one um, or read one, you know, for a while. And then maybe she just want to put it down and take a little break. And then she'd go to another. And I was like, oh, okay, I like that. Now I feel better about, you know, kind of um, jumping around in my, <laughs> in my book. Yes. So. You know, I, I used to be, I was notorious for reading 75% of 75% of the books on my shelf. And I recently switched to Audible uh-huh. and it has made a huge difference. Mm. Um, for me, actually, I finish all of my books now with Audible, and I listen to them at like one and a half speed. I go through so many books, I like so many books. Wow! I mean, so. maybe I'll have to. I, I do some. I've done Audible before, but I guess I kind of switch back and forth. So maybe I need to. I don't know. Maybe I need to give it another shot. It's been a while since I did a book on Audible. <laughs> so tell us something that you could not live without right now. I mean, it could be like um, a favorite food or item of clothing or just something that you're loving right now? Oh, um, that's just one thing. There are so many things, (laughs) honestly. Um, I would probably say one of the things right now that I probably can't live without or that I don't want to live without is SoulCycle. Uh, Yeah, SoulCycle has been um, a big part of my journey, my healing, my... um, you know, I get a lot of downloads that come to me mm. in a soul cycle mm. class. And so I, I just love it. It's fun. I get my workout in. It's a good time. Clear, clearing out the mind so that new downloads can come in. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's actually, there's not one near me. The closest one is actually in Atlanta, which I think is new because I saw it Mm-hmm. A few months ago when I was up there and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to, that's one of my favorite things to do when I go out of town is go to a new workout class somewhere. I always do that. Um, and sometimes I go to Atlanta for different things. And so, yeah, definitely going to have to try that because I've heard um, so many great things about Soul Cycle. So I'm excited to try it. Uh, okay. What is something that you wish people knew about you? Like something that maybe might be unexpected or that, um, that you wish people knew? Oh, that is a really good question. Something that I wish people knew about me. Um, You know, honestly, I think, you know, it's hard for me to answer that question, actually. I'm really trying to give a thoughtful response. I'm kind of going through the chapters of my life and some of the different things that I have grappled with um, throughout my life. I think oftentimes... You know, I really struggled for a long time with um, like people not really knowing my truth, and you know, I I've had I've had to come up against a lot of assumptions, a lot of judgments about who I am based on the success that I've had in my life, and also, you know, quite honestly, the way that I look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had people say some kind of even like mean things, and um, you know, for a long time, I, I felt this, um, like this need and this desire for people. Like if you just knew like, mm-hmm. like what I've gone through to get to where I'm at right now, um, like that was a big one for a long time. And, and I'm sharing that almost as a way to say, like, I don't think that's actually what I want people to know about me anymore, because I know that that comes from, um, from my own insecurity, my own fear of what people think, my own judgment. Um, so, so that, you know, that the part of me that wants to go like go deep all the time, like, (laughs) like that's where I would go. But, but then thinking about it, like, 
I don't know. I think, you know, what would I want people to know about me is, um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm such an open book that it's really hard to find things about me that people don't already know. You are. You're very, I mean, I would agree with that. You're very, um, very transparent and very open, which is really nice and appreciated because there, you don't find a ton of people like that in the world. You know, um, a lot of times, and I'm totally guilty of this too, you know, not be, that kind of goes back to being authentic, right? Being yeah. vulnerable and being authentic, which uh, is really hard to do because you're worried about being judged and yes. what's somebody going to think. And yeah, so I totally get that. Okay. One last question for you. Okay. We talk a lot um, on, on our podcast. I talk a lot on my um, Insta stories, Facebook, all of that about um, healthy options like snacks. So do you have a favorite uh, healthy snack that you love that, that you'd like to share with everyone? Well, right before we got on to this interview, I was eating a very healthy snack. I had an a apple sliced up with cinnamon. That little lemon and cinnamon on an apple is like my favorite. And then I always pair it with some protein. So I actually had some almonds with it today, but typically I might do almond butter because almonds are sometimes harder to digest. So, mm-hmm. but I also love hard boiled eggs, um, mm-hmm. and a good protein shake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds yummy. I'm getting hungry now. That sounds. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on. This was so much fun and just such great information. I think people can really whether they're ready to really dive fully in or just kind of dip their toe in the water, they're going to get so many great nuggets of information for wherever they're at. They can, they have a starting point. So yeah. I, I really appreciate it. This was so great. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And I will just say too, to, you know, any of the listeners that, you know, if you have like this stuff is heavy, this stuff is intense. I get it. If you have any, questions or you're struggling with anything like I honestly like I what I love more than anything is connecting with people um authentically so please like reach out don't go through this alone don't think you have to figure it out on your own if it's not me find someone else that you can talk to about it but there are people you know send me a dm I read all of them on instagram they all come straight to me just reach out yes thank you and we'll share um links to how they can get in contact with you and um, also your website if they want to work with you maybe is would we send them to the website would that be um, okay great so we'll link to your Instagram Facebook and certainly to your website as well so thank you again this has been so much fun thank you so much for having me it was great yeah thanks for listening to today's take the upgrade podcast to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes click subscribe now And if you loved today's episode, we would be so grateful if you would share it and leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about what it means to take the upgrade, including daily tips and inspiration, follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a free ebook waiting for you on the top three habits to upgrade your health. You can download that by visiting our website, anaturalshift.com and opting into our email. Links are in the show notes. And as always, it's those daily choices that lead to real progress and lasting change. Until next time.